This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra. Not so long ago, you never ever said the word capitalism. You never said socialism either, but you, you didn't say capitalism at all. You just said, you said democracy, <laughs> which may or may not be uh, capitalist and may or may not be democracy. We didn't say capitalist. We didn't say the word for a long time. And only recently have people begun to even ask what it is. And so I would like to start my explanation with a little short quiz. I'm just going to ask you a couple of things. You might want to write your responses down because I'll tell you the answers, or at least what I think is the answers, after I finish this short podcast. The first question is, how long has capitalism dominated the earth? A, a few hundred years. B, since class society first began. C, forever. D, as long as humanity existed, because it is the natural economic form. As I said, I'll tell you the answers later. Number two, which is the most accurate evaluation of capitalism? A, capitalism is the best form of government yet invented, and its power demonstrates its superiority. B, capitalism was far better than what it replaced, but has become a drag on society. C, capitalism has always been a devastating setback to human society. D, capitalism is the worst form of government yet encountered. Question number three. Why did England rule the world for so long? A. They were smarter than their opponents. B. They were more merciless than their opponents. C. Their climate was more suitable to producing world rulers. D. Their early capitalist system outproduced their opponents. Question number four. How long has the general crisis of capitalism gone on? A. At least since the First World War. B. Since August 2008. C. Since September 11, 2002. D. Since the Taft-Hartley Act of 1947. E. Since October 1929. Now, let me just tell you my view of the history, a very brief history of capitalism and the people who run things whom we will call the capitalists. I'll start with a quote from W.E.B. Du Bois. He said, quote, capitalism cannot reform itself. It is doomed to self-destruction. No universal selfishness can bring social good to all, end quote. Capitalism, contrary to what they've been telling us over and over again since the moment we were born, has not ruled the world forever. If we've been around 200,000 years and capitalism has ruled the world for maybe, maybe 170, 
then that's not very much of a percentage. In our 6,000 years or so of written history, it has been around no more than 7% and has ruled the planet no more than half of that. Of its 170 years or so of being number one, it's been in crisis for about 110 years. The capitalist group, the people that are the capitalists, have not ruled for so long, and they will not keep ruling all that long either in the long arc of human history. How did it start? In a book by Emile Burns, he says, quote, the growth of the capitalist class also meant the growth of new forms of class struggle. The capitalists had to engage in a struggle against the monarchy and the feudal lords, a struggle which continued over several centuries. In some relative backward countries, it is still going on. But in Britain and France, for example, it has been completed. Here's how it came about in Britain. And I'm still quoting Emile Burns. In Britain, where the stage was reached far earlier than in other countries, the struggle of the growing capitalist class against taxation and restrictions reached a high point in the middle of the 17th century. That would be 1600 and something. These restrictions were holding back the expansion of the capitalist form of production. The capitalists tried to get them removed by peaceful means, by petitions to the king, by refusing to pay taxes and so on, but nothing far-reaching could be won against the machinery of the state. Therefore, the capitalists eventually had to meet force with force. They had to rouse the people against the king, against arbitrary taxation and trade restrictions, against the arrests and penalties imposed by the king's judges for all attempts to break through the feudal barriers. In other words, the capitalists had to organize an armed revolution to lead the people to rise in arms against the king and the old forms of oppression, to, to defeat the former rulers by military means. Only after this had been done was it possible for the capitalist class, or the, the capitalist guys, to become the ruling class, to break down all barriers to the development of capitalism, and to make the laws that they needed for this. The armed uprising that Emile Burns refers to is the successful fight led by Oliver Cromwell against King Charles I. Emile Burns says that a second phase occurred in 1688, which by and large completed the capitalist revolution, even though it remained imperfect because royalty and hereditary landowners were never completely removed from power. This is in England, remember. Remember that capitalism is an economic system. It's not a system of government. Consequently, the continued existence of a royal family does not mean that the capitalist class is not firmly in power. The capitalist class may thrive under any number of government systems, including fascism. They don't need democracy, in other words. Democracy and capitalism are not the same thing, although the capitalists have employed democracy and very used it very well.
The capitalist-led revolution in the American colonies did away with royalty a hundred years after British capitalists came to power. But it is the French Revolution of 1789 that provides the clearest example of transfer of power from the kings and the feudal nobles to the capitalist class. The French capitalists got all the say-so, and royalty got the guillotine. They got their heads chopped off. The world celebrates the great French Revolution every July on Bastille Day. But capitalism was not a bad thing. Like a lot of young radicals like to say that it's always been horrible. That's not true. You have to remember that it replaced the kings and the aristocracy. We have always struggled against the capitalist class in recent years, but we acknowledge that capitalism at its inception was a considerable advance over the feudalism that it replaced. Capitalism freed the serfs. It raised production and trade to levels that would not have been possible under the personal rule of petty kings and nobles. It allowed for and encouraged technical advances. It allowed for and encouraged schooling for working people. Because the capitalists required good workers, they raised education levels in the general population. Because capitalism could outproduce all former economic systems, it spread rapidly, one way or another, throughout the world. England, as the first great capitalist power, soon ruled much of the world. That's because they could outproduce them. They could make more wealth in their system than the kings and petty tyrants could in other systems. So they tended to take over other countries all over the world. By the beginning of the 20th century, virtually every nation, including Russia, fell under the rule of their capitalist class. Nations unlucky enough to lack their own strong capitalist class became colonies, mostly colonies from England. But soon there were colonies. France had colonies. Germany had colonies. Having expanded throughout the planet and having no other planets to conquer, the capitalist class then fell into a long-term general crisis. The only way that one group of capitalists could expand was at the expense of another. The age of imperialism, drastic economic crises, environmental disasters, and world wars that killed millions of young people would characterize the rest of their rule. And I want to say a couple of words about American world domination. Whichever capitalist class dominated tried to find ways to make their situation permanent. At the end of the Second World War, the United States dictated a number of financial agreements to maintain their world supremacy. Institutions included the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund. The United States quickly accumulated most of the gold in the world. The military power of the United States was unchallengeable, and they had virtually the only standing factories left in the world at the end of World War II because they'd all bombed each other flat. Around 1972, after the other industrialized nations began to recover enough to challenge 
U.S. domination, it became apparent that adjustments had to be made. The United States gave up the provision that had given them control over gold markets, and the U.S. dollar was left to float against other currencies. A lot of us are old enough to remember that this happened during the Nixon administration. In the stagflation years, at the end of the United States invasion of Vietnam, economists were divided as to their strategies. In 1980, with the election of President Ronald Reagan, the capitalist rulers seemed to set a clear path. The United States would go all out to maintain its domination over other nations, and particularly over its own workers. Union busting and military aggression became common, but they provided only a temporary and localized relief to the general crisis of capitalism. Even the implosion of the USSR gave capitalism little room to grow, and the much-promised peace that was supposed to follow the end of socialism never happened. The continuation of Reaganist policies under George W. Bush brought the term jobless recovery into capitalist economic vernacular. The economic crisis underway, as this is written, the one that we say started in 2008 or 2009, predicts high unemployment for several more years, and which could be past the entire prosperity phase of capitalism and on into the next recession. Long ago, the capitalist class, or the, the capitalist guys, lost any aspect of progress in human history and became a drag on the societies it ruled. How long and through how many disasters these societies will tolerate is impossible to predict. It is the historical class of working people to provide the answer. That's my little short history of the capitalist class. Now, back to those questions. How long has capitalism dominated Earth? A few hundred years, maybe only 180, 190. Which is the most accurate evaluation of capitalism? Is it no good and never was any good? Or used to be good and not any good anymore? Or it used to be good and it's still great? My opinion is, it was far better than what it replaced, but it has become a drag on society, particularly, this has been noticeable, particularly since World War I, when millions of people died. And since, since then, we've had pandemics with millions of people dying, and more wars with millions of people dying, and depressions and recessions and economic crises and destruction of the environment. So yeah, since World War I, it hasn't been that great. Question three was, why did England rule the waves? It's because they had capitalism first. They overcame their kings, and, and the capitalist guys took over, and they could outproduce anybody in the world. So with all of their riches and their great productive capability. They built a great military machine and defeated everybody else. And that's why they ruled the world right up until World War I. Number four question. How long has the general crisis of capitalism gone on? The answer is at least since World War I. 
You might put it even before that. I'm not so sure. But at least since World War I, the system of government that rules the world has produced more death and destruction, more starvation, more disease, more destruction to the environment than anything else we've ever seen in world history. So that's my short history of the way things have been since the capitalist guys, the owners, the bosses, since they took over. This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra.